Hey, guys, I'm so proud of you guys, man. All right, the resilience of everybody in this room, that's the games that build you to do special throughout the year. Guys, 2-0, and man, all right? We've gone on these back-to-back road trips. This is our sixth time now. All right, we're six and zero in those games. Mm-hmm. Hey, small consistent steps in the right direction lead to great results. No, you're right. Hey, we're on our way there, baby. Two and zero. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, all hail the QB sneak. The 49ers survive a close one against the upstart Philadelphia Eagles and survive to get to 2-0. And with me this week, it's the Discord King himself, it's David Newman. <laughs> what a great idea that was. I feel like yeah. it worked out incredibly well today. Uh, it was a lot yeah. of fun hanging out with uh, you know the elite Patreon community. If you want to be one yourself, patreon.com slash betterrivals. You can do it. You can hang out with us on Discord. If you're not sure what Discord is, you're not alone. David didn't know about it until 17 minutes ago, and now he is very, very good at it. But it's basically a chat program, a little bit like Slack if you use Slack for work. Uh, It's like if Microsoft Teams were good at its job, uh, it would be a little bit like that. Uh, And uh, it's good. It's just a community for the patrons to hang out, talk about football, talk about other stuff. Uh, and, and we chatted throughout the game. So it was, it was good. It was good to connect with everyone. Uh, and thanks to all of you who are watching the live stream as it happens right now. You're getting the literal podcast as it happens. And then we'll post the podcast for everyone else. You'll probably, if you're hearing this in your ear holes, chances are you got it on your feeds on Monday morning. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. This is going to be our schedule throughout the rest of the year. Sundays, Thursdays, recap on Sunday, and then preview slash deep dive stuff if we encounter anything else in the all 22 that we didn't kind of catch early on on Thursdays. Uh, and so with that, let's get into it because this was uh, another tense one. Another close one, 17 to 11, which I feel like it's not, I don't know that it's Scorigami. I don't know that's not the first <laughs> 17 to 11 yeah. game ever, but it just feels like a very odd score because Sirianni went for two near the end. But the Niners got away. You know, our buttholes are clenched. They, I don't know that they've released quite yet, um, but here we are at 2-0 uh, and tied with three other teams in the NFC West because the Titans actually beat the Seahawks. Hooray! NFC in overtime. West, sending four teams to the playoffs. Let's go. Let's do it. I was hoping for three, but it might be four. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely was, I think, a story about the defense. It was the question mark coming in. Could the defense actually hold down a team in the Eagles that looked like they were schemed up and coached up pretty well. Nick Sirianni's offense looked like it was getting Hertz into positive positions and Hertz was really capitalizing where he could. And it turns out that, yeah, that, that was still the case, but the Niners defense was still able to hold them down. In, in so many ways, this game felt like the polar opposite of the week one game, right? It was just like, in in week one, everything was clicking for the offense. Like they were just basically doing whatever they wanted to, whenever they wanted to. Everything they tried seemed to work. And then it was right the defense that was a bit more shaky and and um, you know less so when they had for most of the game. Right while the starters were in there, and then obviously things got a little crazy at the end. But it was it was a game that the 49ers dominated. It felt as it was happening like they dominated, and it just kind of ended up being a bit closer than than you would have thought right having watched the entire thing this one was one where it it honestly to me at least it felt like they should have lost and they managed to come away with the win and i and i think yeah a big uh part of that is is kind of what they did and and the improvement they were able to make defensively especially after that first half 
that first half, you go in, and I think it was like 3-0 or 7-3. Or 7-3, and, yep. and it was like, it, it feels like they should almost be down two scores. Yeah. And yet, I mean, you get you get the block field goal. You get, I mean, this is basically, you're taking Philadelphia's best shot, and that best shot was worth three points, which is a testament absolutely to the defense. We had a big question about D'Amico Ryans and whether or not he would be a flexible kind of coordinator and whether he would stick to his, you know, cover three single high stuff or whether he would be a bit more versatile as we'd seen the 49ers defense under Sala. And he was more versatile. It was a game plan that you would expect from a team that is like the, like the 49ers were last year. They went with very little cover three. They were per, they were pretty much exclusively too high and cover one looks uh, with some zone pressure stuff and cover three. But it was by and large effective, even though they got caught a couple times in man coverage with Jalen Hurts breaking contain and scrambling for some yardage and then some additional penalty yardage because Jimmy Ward decided to hit him. Yeah, it, it was. I think, you know, when we we talked on the preview episode last week, it, it was basically, you know, there was like two approaches, right, that we said that that they could kind of go with. And they really used a hybrid of both. Right. They they did play a lot more quarters, especially and, and just kind of some different two high looks in general, um, especially on early downs. They would go with that a lot. And then when they would go single high, it was because they were going man coverage. Right. And and again, the reason we expected man coverage a lot more or that that was on the table as an option Um is because of the heavy RPO stuff, right? So the the Eagles ran more RPOs than anyone in the league in week one. And so that was, you know, something that you expected to be a big part of their offense. And man coverage kind of eliminates the conflict for those defenders, right? So there's you, you don't end up in a situation where uh, a, one defender has to choose between playing the run or playing his coverage assignment. Everyone is locked up in man coverage. All the receivers are accounted for. And then you have everybody else that that's handling the run fit. Right. So it, and it was, I, yeah, I think largely effective. I mean, you mentioned uh, there were a couple plays there where Hertz was able to kind of hurt him with their with his legs and, and get some first downs and in some key situations. But beyond that and then of course you had the the one the 97 yard play to to Watkins there that um, beat Demoine Lenore. Um it was that was ugly, but like beyond that, like it was largely pretty good. I, I mean, I think they uh, were a lot better in man coverage than I expected them to be. Um, and I think Lenoir played really well in, in general. So just, yeah, I think they, they did a good job with that stuff. And, and overall, they limited, um, you know, the big play stuff. The safeties played great. So it was it was a good job. Especially because there was a bit more stress put on the defensive backs. That's the part that I was worried about. Especially early on, the, the defensive line was not getting pressure. Hertz had a pocket. And even when he did get a little bit of pressure, he stood in there and he waited. He did not scramble. He did not seem like he was really going to get moved off of his spot. And he had a couple throws where he had someone in his face and was still able to throw a really, really good catchable pass. And, and overall, he was doing well. And so I thought, okay. This is this is not great for the defense because this is a 49ers defense that's predicated on pressure. You're going to be able to give the defensive back some help. And early on, the defensive line was not giving the 49ers defensive back some help. And they held up. Yes, you've got the the big bomb to Diamond Lenoir, but I think he's another fifth round gem. So far, two games in, there's still a lot to go, right? We had one good season yep. of Akella Witherspoon. Everyone was ready to crown him. And now he's, <laughs> I don't even know where he is. He may be like on sales practice squad somewhere, right? But, um, or no, he got traded Pittsburgh. somewhere. Yeah, he's Pittsburgh, that's right. Um, so, you know, there's still time. We're not, we're not saying that he is arrived or that he is the thing, but 
two games in, fifth round rookie. He has performed really, really well. And he's doing the thing that we saw him do in college really well, which is use the sideline as an extra defender. And the, the play that uh, where it was basically a completion should have been a touchdown, but he was able to wall that wide receiver off and get him to step out of bounds. And then he kind of knew that and, and fell off a little bit. Just that spatial awareness was, I thought, really, really good. Um, it, was, it was fairly savvy for a fifth round, I think, rookie. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that is key part. Like, I, I do think he was aware um, of, of what was happening. Like, that wasn't a, a, a suddenly, like, a good coverage play turned poor coverage play at the end, and, and he just got lucky and bailed out. Like, he knew where they're out in the field, and he knew that once that guy steps out of bounds, it's over. He can't come in and make a reception. And and so, yeah, I think um, he knew that kind of his job was done on the, on the play. Like, I mean, you see, you just see Sherman do that uh a bit more aggressively at times like he would just if guys were on the sideline he would just go shove them out of bounds shove them and yeah. and then move on to something else right because he knew that like okay this guy can't come in and do anything now so uh yeah he, he was great on that play i mean he had uh good coverage i mean devonta smith uh you know tested him deep for for one that he was in great coverage on like yeah i think um again he had that one one ugly play where he stumbles a bit and, and falls well behind and, and that's going to happen at times. But uh, beyond that, I think he looked very, very good. I think you also had some good plays from Jaquaski Tart and Jimmy Ward. Both had some deep pass breakups that were, I mean, they got their head around, they got their hands on the ball. It was good plays from almost everyone in the secondary, except for Josh Norman. Josh Norman had uh, a couple of PIs, but I'm honestly with Josh Norman. That's a little bit to be expected at this Josh point. Josh Norman grabby? Are you? No, <laughs> stop it. Stop it. I know. What are you going to do? But, but to be fair, after those penalties, he was largely quiet, which is all you can ask. <laughs> Except for one play. Did you see the play where it seemed like he like jumped and did a spin in the air, like on a tackle? It was, no, it was very, very weird looking, that. but like. He jumped and like he kind of jumped in and I think the top part of him got hit and he kind of flipped around and it was it was a very aggressive, non-impactful move. <laughs> I'll have to go back and see if I can clip the play. But I think if this was a game where everyone was worried about the defensive backfield, a lot of the fears were, were there to be taken advantage of. The defensive line did not get much pressure. Jalen Hurts was dealing. And even though there was definitely some cuts, there were definitely some things that hurt. Overall, I think that defensive backfield held up fairly well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think at it, it one point there, the long, the 90 plus yard or whatever it was, was like more than half of what Hurd's, uh, or excuse me, Hertz's uh, total passing yardage was it, it yeah. like late in the fourth quarter or whatever it was. So, yeah, I mean, um, they, they really didn't get a whole lot going. He wasn't, he did hurt them a couple times in scrambles, right? So like on, again, pass plays, right, that, that break down and he was able to get outside and, and pick up a few first downs that way. Um, but he really didn't do a whole lot on designed runs. I mean, I think there was like the one play I remember where where they got a first down on his own read um, where he, Bosa was the read defender over there. Yeah, he got Bosa. Bosa knew it. He was mad about it afterwards. Yeah. And and but other than that, I mean, um, they really didn't uh, do a whole lot. I think it was later in that drive. There was a play that Fred Warner um, was able to kind of track him down for a short gain and, and he didn't have any. Yeah, big, huge runs like he did in, in week one, right, where it was just like, I mean, mentioned the absurd amount of yards before contact that he had on on his, those week one carries. And he just really didn't have that available to him in this one, which was was great. 
Yeah, with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, and Jalen Hurts had about 167 yards passing. 91 of them, uh, I think it was 91 or 96 yards, were was the Bond Watkins. Basically, he had 76 yards otherwise. So over half with just five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, and another another game where going into the fourth quarter, the quarterback has less than 200 yards total passing, which is great. I mean, that is that is good pass defense. And if it were not for the offense being completely anemic, this could similarly be a blowout. Before we get to the offense, though, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Javon Kinlaw. He was the other story coming into the week because we we showed on the Patreon video the sliding door that was Zach Kerr and some of the interior defensive linemen. Zach Kerr was inactive this game. Uh, I think the coaches were tired of seeing that happen on film. Uh, and so they said, you know what, Javon Kinlaw, you're up. Zach Kerr, you're down. Is Kinlaw really the key that that important to this defense? Because their run their run defense looked pretty good. I mean, he he blocked the field goal, which is a special teams play, so that's a, that's a little bit different. But yeah. is he really that important to this defense? It makes him look that much better. I don't know. I I, I would be surprised if it was him single handedly that that made that big of a difference. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that he played well. It, this it wasn't something that I focused on a ton during the game, so it would it, it'll definitely be something uh, that we kind of take a look at with the all twenty two and kind of just see what those run fits look like in general and and whether they got better play from the linebackers there too or or whether it was just kind of more the defensive line shutting things down before it even had a chance to get up to the second level. Right. So I think, um, it, it, he certainly helped. It seemed like, I mean, obviously things were, were a bit more cohesive up front and, uh, they did a better job throughout most of the game containing that run attack. And, uh, I, I think, yeah, he's part of that, but I would be surprised if it was like, you know, him coming in and, and making the, all of the difference between the week one and week two performance. Right. Now, before we get to the offense, we've got a brief word from our sponsors. This week's pod is brought to you by TickPick. 49ers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. If you're looking to get tickets to the 49ers season opener, which happens next week, or maybe even a week seven game where a rookie quarterback may be starting after the bye if the Niners don't do well over the next three games, visit TickPick.com Rivals today and use promo code Rivals to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com slash Rivals, promo code Rivals, to save $10 on your first order. On offense, though, it looked like the Eagles front really disrupted the 49ers offense. And it was, I mean, early on, they, they did not have a first down in the first quarter, which is the first time that's happened to this team since 2016, week 10. So in the entirety of Shanahan's tenure, he has gotten at least a first down in the first quarter doesn't seem like a, a high bar to cross. And yet the Niners could not cross that bar in this game against the Eagles early. It was it was not good. It was it was very ugly offensively. I, I think and it started with the their struggles on first down. They just could not get anything going on first down. And and a lot of it had to do with uh I think some conservative play calling. I, I think they were just so run heavy on first down. 
um, through throughout this game. I mean, basically, if you remove that two minute drive at the end of the first half, where obviously teams are going to be more inclined to throw the ball, um, they had 26 other first down plays throughout the game. They ran the ball on 19 of them. So it, it was just incredibly run heavy. Um, and, and it wasn't successful. I mean, they generated positive EPA on those first down plays just 19% of the time. Like it was ugly. And, and again, for like context for that number, usually for like a, a solid offense, you're, you're expecting over 50%, like mid fifties, I would say, uh, a really good game. You're talking 60 plus something like that. So, uh, it, it was an ugly, ugly performance from them on first downs. And I think, yeah, there were a number of reasons why, but, uh, I think the play calling was big. And then obviously, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't give them a lot of confidence that they could throw the ball in those situations. You know, you mentioned the EPA bit, and I think it, it really helps put it into context because sometimes we hear that number and it's like negative EPA. That's kind of an abstraction, it seems like. But really what that number means is that by running the ball in that situation, eight of 10 times, you're actually making it more likely the other team scores. Like that's that's effectively what's happening at this point. You are making it more probable the other team scores in eight out of 10 times in this game because of the conservative play calling and the lack of success overall. And that's what they saw. They saw the other team being more likely to score in the Eagles, and it just had some, you know, a, a goal line stand, uh, you know, a great defensive play on like the modified Philly special in order to kind of stop them there at the end, a blocked field goal, um, the defense really stepping up, and then it allowed the offense to kind of get into rhythm. Early on, though, Jimmy Garoppolo, as you said, not great, Bob. Um, his throws were off target. We've talked a lot about his inability to be or his really declining accuracy since his 2017 spurt where he was really incredibly accurate, especially in, their in, in the intermediate areas of the field. That seemed to have declined and settled into a, like, you can kind of get it in the area of a wide receiver, but not necessarily super <laughs> accurately. And, and we saw that in this game. I mean, you've got the third and 11 outside throw to Mohamed Sanu early on. You knew it was going to be a day. When Mohamed Sanu was open, it's third down, and just Sanu looks like he should be a, a model for jump man. Just like, you know, up in the air, one hand, both his legs splayed because that's where he's got to go get the ball uh, and it's nowhere near him. And and yeah, it just it's it's that's where it started and it just continued. Yeah, it was uh, the, the ball location was awful. I, I mean, it was just all over the place. And and they basically stopped trying to throw downfield for for large chunks of this game. Like um, it, it was just seemingly screen after like there there was I swear it was like several drives in a row where you were basically first down run for a gain of a one or two yards and then a second down screen that got fucked up somehow and it, and it was just like uh and, and then suddenly you know you're in third and nine third and eight and Jimmy's not coming through right he's he's missing guys uh and I think that's kind of the key thing is because while yes, I, I do think, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute, like the the Eagles front, I think, played well. They certainly disrupted things for this offense, and, and that was a big reason why things were so different offensively from, from last week to this week. Um, but there were plays there. There were opportunities for this offense to take advantage and, and put some yards and, and some points on the board, and, and Jimmy was missing them. Like, I, again, you mentioned the the one to Sanu early. Um, there were two other throws. He had an overthrow to Ayuk, uh, and the one um, that was behind Debo that were both throws that uh, that should have been picked off. I mean, the, the Debo one especially was like he was incredibly lucky that wasn't a pick six the other way. 
Um, the one, the cardinal sin, whenever you're throwing outside, the absolute, the one thing you should never ever do in that situation is hang the ball inside. Like Thank if you're you. gonna miss, yep. miss outside, miss high, but never hang miss the ball like inside. Miss like the sinew throw, right? The the yes. sinew throw, not a great throw, but a safe throw. So if you're gonna screw it up, screw it up in a, in a situation that can't come back and bite you, right? And you, you throw it behind. Uh, and that's just, again, asking for for these defenders to take it back the other way. And and he's very fortunate. I mean, Debo made a, a really great play to come back and essentially play DB and break that one up. And and that was kind of what saved him on it. Um, but yeah, and, and there was another one. It was a lot of those outbreaking routes, right? There was um, another one. They ended up in that first and 25 situation early. Uh, and he had Sherfield open on another deep out it wouldn't have it wasn't like all the way to the markers but it would have definitely been enough yardage to like get them back on schedule and and in a manageable second down situation and again like wide open receiver air mails it doesn't even give the guy a chance and and yeah at that point they basically uh like i said stopped kind of trying to throw the ball downfield for for most of this game i mean they went heavy screens uh of his 22 completions and so yeah i think that's the the other thing that's tricky here too is you see that final line and i think he's 22 of 30 um was was the final uh completion numbers there which we'll check with the research department doesn't seem terrible right the eight completions on 30 dropbacks not not awful uh 10 of his completions were completed to receivers behind the line of scrimmage he was three of seven when targeting receivers 10 plus yards down the field um it, it just wasn't uh something that they were doing i mean I, he basically had two good throws that, that i'll give him some credit for it was the seam uh that he had to debo that really set up the score at the end of the first half which was huge because again there was no way they should have entered halftime with a lead like it was just absurd looking yeah. back on it that they managed to to go in seven three there and that was uh that throw was a big reason why and then he had uh another one to debo which was on a late third down the kind of uh dig route at the sticks that he threw over the middle and and hit him um it was a nice, accurate ball and, and good timing there. And so, yeah, I mean, but other than that, like everything he threw was underneath. Even the touchdown. The touchdown was a huge busted coverage. Like the corner over there, they're playing like match coverage on that side. The the outside corner just gets completely screwed and confused, like leaves uh, Juwan Jennings wide open. Like there's nobody around. And so it's just like literally throw it to this guy where there's not a single defender near him uh and and put it on him right and so yeah it, it just was uh it was a really ugly game from jimmy garoppolo yeah it was indeed 22 of 30 um he averaged 6.3 yards per attempt and and part of that was by design shanahan did say in the post game that they were trying to they were folding in screens a lot especially early and it seemed that way especially because early on in the game i mean you had the the inaccurate throw two yards in front of jimmy garoppolo to use check right away to, to open in in the first series and, and then you had the drop past the Debo. Shanahan said he was trying to take advantage of what the Eagles like to do on defense, which is be really aggressive with their defensive line, but be a little soft in coverage. So he was trying to take advantage of that. And, and it that's work. why he did. Yeah, well, it didn't work early. And then eventually, like, that's all that you could really do. <laughs> and so he was like, hey, you know what? Let's do that. Especially when they started basically do it. Because later in the game, it switched to run uh, and, and screen. But that run was the toss play. And it was just the toss oh, play with the same happened. motion yeah. over and over and over. And like sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But overall, Jimmy Garoppolo ended up with 3.8 yards per attempt, which is the lowest of his career. And that is a combination of both what Jimmy was able to do as well 
as the game plan. But once you get into the end of the first half, one second there. Yeah. With, so just kind of one final that we, we talked about on Thursday, right on the preview episode about how low Jalen hurts average depth of target was right. So basically average depth of target, what, how far downfield on average are the guys you're throwing to, right? So, uh, it, it gives you a good idea of, of, basically where these guys were throwing the ball, right? Are they pushing the ball downfield more? Are they throwing it underneath? Um, Jalen Hurts was uh, ridiculously low. The lowest figure in week one by like nearly a full yard. It was like 3.6 average depth target. Jimmy Garoppolo in this game, 3.9. Like, again, it was, you can't look at that completion percentage number and just be like, oh yeah, he played pretty well. I mean, obviously there were some, some misses here and there, but you see the the completion percentage and the no interceptions, and you just completely missed the mark on on how he actually performed in this game because he got lucky that he didn't have two interceptions, and more than or like nearly half of his completions were basically throwing it behind the line of scrimmage. Like it, it was just a very, uh, it was a game plan that. Well, I don't know if that was a plan going in, but it, it was a game that that basically tried to make his impact as limited as possible. Do you think that Jimmy is is one of those players that really would do better in more of a, a wide open kind of like offense? Because I, I think about 20, 2017 and, and those five games and it was like just instinctual kind of like didn't know too much of the offense, but he's just kind of slinging it and moving around. Right. And in that two minute situation and you think about the game against the Saints and obviously these are the things that we remember. It might, it might not be a representative sample, but it just feels like when he really gets dialed in. It's when he is playing MD, when he's playing fast, when he's playing shotgun, when he's doing those kinds of things. And, and I wonder if all the other things that Shanahan throws on top of Jimmy as a quarterback, um, to a certain degree, weigh him down. That's not to excuse Jimmy Garoppolo, because I think his performance in this game, especially on some of the ball location stuff, speaks for itself. But I, I did. it did seem like he he needed to almost get hit or he needed to do something. And then he was locked in. And then it was like, okay, cause that's that seam ball to Debo. I thought that was an interception. I legit, when I saw those two defenders, I was like, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was like, it was a hell of a turnaround. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like he loosened up once they started throwing the ball. And once he got a little loose. Yeah, I, I, I get that sentiment. Um, and, and I think there is probably some, I mean, there seems to be something with a lot of guys, right? That you get them in kind of some of those, you up the, the tempo a little bit, you get a little bit simpler, right? You're only choosing from a handful of play calls usually in those situations. The defense gets simpler. I mean, that's a, the, a big reason why a lot of college teams go up tempo so much, right? And, and try to push that pace. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think there is something about that that, that probably makes him comfortable. But I also have a hard time saying that that he's like burdened with complexity in the, the, the normal structure of this offense. Like the dude is given more open throws than anyone in this league to to throw to. Like and and while I think it is a complex offense in terms of verbiage and um, you know likely adjustments and and things like that. Like in terms of the actual reads he's making and the concepts they're running from a passing standpoint. It's not difficult stuff like there. There are so many of these plays where he's dropping back on play action. He's got like two, maybe three guys even out in the route. And it's basically like I'm going to make one check downfield and, and see if my guy's there. Or I'm dumping it off to my check down. And, and that's like such a large portion 
of of his passing attempts like relative to the rest of the league right so i think he is given a ton of easy throws and i think right now the accuracy is the number one thing that holds him back like he is missing these guys who are open and you can't do that in this in this offense well i think that the the despite all that the niners had two drives over 90 yards which is the first time that's happened for them since 1992 against the miami dolphins those drives were impressive and it was it really is almost like a um, an exercise in restraint where it's like a coach typically you would think would want to take a shot would want to take a deep shot would want to get aggressive and Shanahan's like no I'll just keep doing this for four yards we can do this look do you see Kyle Juszczyk do you see this man how else are we going to get him the ball if not for four yard runs and quarterback sneaks Um, and quarterback sneak though it is a very very effective play on third and a yard or fourth and a yard. I'm here for all the quarterback sneaks. Jimmy had 11 sad. carries. Now, uh, what, three of them are at the end or, or kneel or downs, scrambles. right? So so eight. Uh, we also had a couple scrambles in there. Yeah, so like rushing attempts. It's just like you look at the box score, right, and you see Jimmy Garoppolo, 11 rushing attempts, and that's like probably the last time you're going to ever see that happen in his career. Man, look, all I'm saying is week one, Jimmy Garoppolo's like, okay, you draft Trey Lance because he can throw deep. I can throw deep. I'm going to go ahead and throw this duck over here to Debo Samuel. And yeah, just come at me, bro. You got a running quarterback in Trey Lance? Get out of here. 11 attempts. Let me show you what's up. 11 attempts and a win. Let's let's bring it home. He's just, you know. I don't know if you his- heard this, but uh, what, the 49ers now are 24 and 8 when Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, starting quarterback. So I can take that. And now I can't make any complaints about Jimmy Garoppolo's play because all my guy does is win, win, win. I see your meaningless stat and I raise it by saying that whenever Jimmy Garoppolo has more than 10 carries, the Niners win. (laughs) Feed Jimmy. Feed Jimmy. That's all I'm saying. Oh, God. All right. All right. Let's get to the quick hits as we round out the reaction to the win in Philadelphia. First up, Debo Samuel now has 282 receiving yards through two weeks. The franchise leaders for the 49ers, Bernie Casey. 288 yards over the first two weeks. Didn't even know he played for the Niners or who he is. No idea I who that guy is. That yep. I feel bad that I don't. I don't. Um, and two, Jerry Rice, 285 yards over I know the first two guys. weeks. Three, Debo Samuel. Um, injury note, Debo Samuel. Um, he had cramps, but he should be fine. Seemed like he was fine. So did check also came out injured. Not a big deal. Trey Sermon, though, that one looked like a big deal. Maybe more of a big deal. Um, yeah, yeah. I've I've never seen um I, I don't know that I've seen a bell get rung twice in midair and then a third time on the ground when making contact. Yeah, like that was it was it was bad. It was real bad. Uh, Elijah Mitchell also has a dinged up shoulder. The team hopes it's just a stinger and is not anything serious. So he came back in the game, but he's gonna get an MRI. Hopefully that's nothing. Jamichael Hasty also has an ankle injury. At this point, who's left? Like this is, I mean, if, if let's say that Mitchell's fine and Hasty's out for a week, I mean, it's, it's really going to be plug and play at this point. I think Alfred Morris is out there somewhere. Like maybe he's Dan, ready. Don't worry. I'm going to go at, right after this. I'm going to turn my phone off, uh, that setting that blocks unknown callers. So, you know, you can, you can hit me up. I'll be, I'll be able to get it. Don't worry, bro. You've been training. You've been hitting been that, that distance running. Yeah. That's right. I'm in shape. Right. Best shape in my life. Uh, the the contrast and aggressiveness between Nick Sirianni and Kyle Shanahan was interesting because Nick Sirianni was and he, he played to win the game. He went for two 
late in the game so that if he got the ball back, he was going to win. Like completely unexpected and absolutely terrified me. Yeah, because he like he's he actually knows like, yes, I'm going to win the game. And if and if I don't make it, then like, hey, we're going to have to go for two anyway. So let's do it. Right. I mean, it was and he goes for fourth downs um, in more high leverage situations. Kyle Shanahan went for a fourth down once in a situation where he needed to. But that fourth and seven that he didn't go for it when they were already crossed in, into the Eagles territory. Uh, Surrender Index on Twitter uh, basically has uh, the, the situations all the way back to 1999 in fourth down situations and put that decision in the 99th percentile of most cowardly decisions since 1999. Given the score, given the situation, given the probability of making it, um, it just is a conservative call. Yeah, it, I mean, it sucks, uh, it, when, especially when you see that sort of discrepancy, right? The other situations that you, that you saw, right, were um, when, when there was like back-to-back drives, or maybe it wasn't back-to-back, but it was like pretty close proximity where you had the Eagles that were backed up, or yeah, it was. It was because it was right after the the stop down there. So it was like you had the Eagles backed up in their own territory, right? What's the first thing that they decide to do? Shot play down the sideline, 90 plus yard um, pass. And suddenly, you know, you're inside uh, the, the the opponent's five. The 49ers after that get the ball right and they hand it off twice. And and, and it's just like, I mean, that, that pretty much sums it up. And, and it's like, on so on one hand, it is completely frustrating and sucks to see um, Shanahan continue to make those decisions. Though I will give him credit. I mean, you mentioned the one fourth down. I think so far through the first two games, like he's generally been at least in in the absolute like no brainer fourth and short ones. He's at least been going for those ones. So it, it, it's like he's crossing that like bare minimum threshold there uh, on fourth down decisions. And so like that's been been positive, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been really conservative and, but on the other end, like I see how Jimmy Garoppolo is playing and, and it's like, fuck, I, I kind of get it. Like I, I get, if you're, if you, if you're going to roll with him, like I don't trust him to make these throws in these situations. Like yeah. why should Shanahan, uh, last two or three notes. Number one, Nick Bosa, two games, three sacks, I believe is, uh, I put them down differently in the notes here, but I think the research department corrected me preemptively. We've only played two games. Uh, and Bosa, I believe, now has three sacks, uh, which is good. He's back, uh, and it's good to have him back. Um, last two notes here in the quick hits. Uh, the NFC best update, the Arizona Cardinals are probably going to be even more of a problem than they were last year. They got into a flat-out shootout, and Kyler Murray is continuing to play well. They ended up squeaking the game out at the very end because the Vikings missed a field goal. It was a 41-yard field goal that they missed at the end of regulation. That was so a fun game. Def- it was a very, very fun game, but man, there were a couple of just bonkers throws from Kyler Murray. They are going to be an issue. Um, and uh, lastly, I, I really do hope that Aqib Tlaib and Gus Johnson call a Niners game at some point this season because that was a yes. fun duo. It yep. was fun to listen to them. I, I just I love the excitement that Gus Johnson brings. And Aqib Tlaib breaking down the what was happening, especially in the secondary, was absolute chef's kiss. It was wonderful. Yep. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, last bit here. This is from our friend Nick Wagner at ESPN. This is the fifth time in franchise history that the 49ers have started 2-0, with both wins coming on the road. The last time was in 2019. The Niners have made the Super Bowl each of the previous three times. They have opened up the year 2-0 with both of those games being road wins. So I think that we have... That up. We have a... Well, it's, it's, so they've done it five times, but it's the last three times that they've made the Super Bowl. Okay. Sure. Whatever. All right. Yeah. Fine. Um, I, I think really what we've done here is we've established a map 
for dominance. Run Jimmy Garoppolo 10 or more times and you will win. Now that they've won twice to open the season, they're guaranteed to go to the Super Bowl. I think this is... Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys in late January. A little yep. preview action and uh, we'll do the thing. Yeah, It'll be great. Uh, I think that does it for the reaction pod for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. We'll be back on Thursday with a deep dive with a preview of week three game against the Green Bay Packers. Hope everyone is having a wonderful evening. Um, hopefully you don't burn any more burgers in case you've done that thus far. Uh, and uh, and yeah, if you're wanting to join the live stream on the Patreon, uh, tell them where you can find that, David. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Get in on that action. Buy us a beer. Um yeah, things have been a lot of fun to start the season. I mean, we've got, again, the the two shows that we're going to be live streaming uh, that you're going to get access to, and you'll get early access to those before they're up on, on the regular podcast feed. Um, we're going to have our, our kind of weekly breakdown video up uh, Wednesday, usually, um, kind of midweek there. And then, um, yeah, we got the Discord server where we're able to interact with everybody, and it's been a lot of fun being on that. So, again, patreon.com slash betterrivals. Get in on the action. You can always find me on Twitter at Better Rivals. Thanks again for tuning in to the live stream. Thanks again for downloading the episode. Make sure to subscribe. All the places, leave reviews if you love us. Ignore it if you don't. Thanks again. And as always, go Niners.